Dear brothers and sisters, some people said they wanted it to be a surprise that uh, I would celebrate the Mass today. Maybe for some of you it's a shock. I hope not. Um, but it's certainly wonderful to be back here. It was 10 years on August 20, October 21st that I drove out of Gwyn in the afternoon. It was a Monday afternoon. And the snow was chasing after me <laughs> as I left town. That night, I can't remember where I stayed, it was somewhere by Lake Superior, and I was driving in the snow that night. It's a great pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you, Father Sebastian, uh, for inviting me to celebrate the Mass. I discovered before the Mass that um, it was uh, Father Sebastian's bishop, Bishop Joseph Onse Bonsu, who ordained me as a deacon 27 years ago uh, in, in, in Rome. Uh, he is the first bishop of the diocese. What's the name of the diocese? They are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, he was a teacher in the uh, seminary that I was attending in Rome, the Pontifical Vida College. And uh, I was one of 20 ordained uh, as deacon uh, in the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls uh, 27 years ago by Bishop Ose Bonsu. And uh, I can't fail to um, recall that on my journey over to Oregon, I listened to a recording that the choir gave me of some of their favorite hymns. So it's wonderful to hear them again uh, today. And uh, I can't fail to mention either that I think he's, he's the, was he the first one I baptized here? Philip was the first, first little baby I baptized here. And here he is serving Mass. So. It's wonderful to be here. I'm getting emotional. Uh, on that uh, trip to Oregon, I would just find myself in the car, you know, plenty of time to pray and reflect. I just spontaneously burst into tears. I don't know why. Um, that's how hard it was for me to leave you. Maybe some of you will be glad to see the back of your But uh, And you've had two excellent priests, Father Almart, and now you have Father Sebastian about whom I hear so much that you love him very much. And he's a very holy and prayerful priest. But you need to help him put on some weight. <laughs> very thin. You didn't have any luck with me. Better, better luck with him. I want to dwell a little bit today on the, the, the reading of, from St. Paul, which I've been doing in my home parish in Cottage Grove, Oregon, Our Lady Perpetual Help. St. Paul is writing with great affection to the church in Thessalonica, and he lets them know of their reputation that has spread far and wide of a church that received him and Silvanus and Timothy, and how they turned from their idols to serve the Lord. And he's more or less saying, you know, everybody's talking about you. And wouldn't that be wonderful if, if that could be said of every parish, this parish saying, and they do, I talk about you. Right, St. Anthony and Gwyn, you know. Everybody's talking about you, about how you welcome the word and how you serve the Lord. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction, which is what I want to dwell on a little bit in my homily today, with joy from the Holy Spirit, becoming a model for all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. The Church of Thessalonica was a church in the midst of the Greek pagan culture, high culture, but pagan, full of idol worship. And there they were, a model 
uh, for everybody in that area. What was the affliction that they had suffered? They had suffered rejection by the Jewish synagogue and by the pagan environment in which they lived. And just as we read that the, in the Acts of the Apostles that the Apostles rejoiced at the privilege of suffering for, quote-unquote, the name, which is the name of Jesus, so the Thessalonians also considered it so, a privilege, and therefore they rejoiced. They were joyful in the midst of their afflictions. For St. Paul, joy in the midst of suffering for the gospel is a clear sign that God is at work in a person. Through their joy in suffering, the Thessalonians became imitators not only of the apostles, but also of Jesus himself. St. John Chrysostom says that Paul is referring to Jesus' self-emptying, which St. Paul refers to in, in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, his self-emptying and his passion. How were they imitators of the Lord, St. John Chrysostom asks? Because he also, because the Lord also endured many sufferings, but did not grieve. Rather, he rejoiced, for he came to this gladly. For our sake he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, even though he was God. This put me in mind of a teacher I had in my first year of secondary school, so I would have been the age, the age of 11 or 12, and my form teacher was Mr. Piper. Uh, we never called him by his first name, but his name was John, as it happened, uh, at Cardinal Vaughan School in central London. And I remember during a re religious religion lesson that he was giving about the passion of Christ, how much our Lord suffered for us, to and, but by doing so, he redeemed us from our sins. And I remember this boy, it happened to be me, who said, Sir, so shouldn't we be happy at the Lord's suffering on the cross. And he said, you're quite right, we should. Because thanks to that, he, he, we, we were received from our sins. Now that maybe that was just a young boy's perception at the time, and I was too young at the time to fully appreciate the consequences. I, I too must rejoice in suffering. But yes, we should be glad. And I'm happy to confirm that I'm no heretic in this. I'm in good company with St. Catherine of Siena who presents a startling image of Jesus being filled with joy on the cross. She writes in her letters, Jesus joyously shouts, it is accomplished. Those seem to be sorrowful words, but they were words for joy to that soul aflame and consumed in the fire of divine charity. The soul of the incarnate word, God's son. It is as if the gentle Jesus wanted to say, I have completely fulfilled what was written of me. Fulfilled too is my painful desire to redeem the human race. I am happy, exultant, that I have finished this suffering. And then St. Catherine breaks into prayer. O fire, O abyss of charity, you are a fire ever burning but not consuming. You are filled with gladness, with rejoicing, with gentleness. To the heart pierced by this arrow, all bitterness seems sweet. Every burden becomes light. The abyss of charity. A heart full of charity is a heart filled with gladness. Not only can afflictions have no power to overcome, but that gladness transforms the bitterness of those afflictions into something sweet. 
So you could perhaps think of some affliction that you have experienced or are experiencing. Perhaps you have experienced betrayal. Perhaps you experienced, parents here, the abandonment of the faith of your, by your children. Perhaps you experienced grief or confusion of what's going on in the church these days or in the world. Loneliness, an insult you've received, sickness, maybe regret over your own mistakes and foolishnesses that humiliate you even now. You live with shame, I do sometimes, for things I've said and done or omitted to do that I regret. Through the gift of charity, God's love poured into our souls. These afflictions can be transformed into sweetness as we unite them to the Lord's sufferings and so become imitators of him. And charity is the gift of God's love poured into our hearts. And it's the first of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you all know the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, don't you? Charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those. All right? Charity is the first of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and followed secondly by joy, which flows from that first fruit of the, of the Holy Spirit is charity and all the other fruits too. And in the college of today's Mass, we ask God our Father to increase our faith, our hope and our charity to love what God commands and so merit what has been promised. And Jesus speaks to us today of love as a commandment in the Gospel. But love is also a gift from God, the Holy Spirit. He gives us the love with which we love him and with which we love our neighbour even perhaps when our neighbour betrays or offends us. There's a book I'm using every day uh, for meditations for priests. It's about 100 years old. I discovered it last year. And in the meditation for one of the days last week, it told us priests, be large-hearted and pray for your antagonists. St Ambrose says, if you are praying for your enemy, your prayer is a good shield. The Lord is protecting you. So any bitterness there is turned to sweetness when we, when we have love. And I read yesterday that, uh, I don't know whether you have heard of Tammy Peterson, the wife of Jordan Peterson, who's uh, you know, psycho, psychoanalyst, and he's been serving, searching for the truth for, forever. And his wife, Tammy, has been doing the same. And the news is out that she's joined our CIA in her parish in, I think it's Toronto, Canada, and she's going to be received into the Catholic Church, which is a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. But she suffered greatly many, many years ago because of her commitment to the truth. She lost her job over, over a matter of principle. Then she suffered greatly with health, with cancer. And in fact, they found that she was, had a kind of cancer that was no treatment for. Um, but she miraculously recovered. They opened her up and they... They looked, sorry, they examined her when she was due to go in for surgery and they found the cause of the surgery had gone. And she was asked, why did you say that your illness is a gift when you were going through so much pain? And she says, because through my illness I found God and what could possibly be better than knowing your creator? She said that prayer would alleviate her pain and at night when she couldn't sleep, she would pray the Lord's Prayer until she went back to sleep. And she says, I didn't allow myself to worry. 
and now she's becoming a Catholic. She's, she's been devoted to the rosary for a long time. She has her grandmother's rosary. And, uh, uh, and so there we are, through, through suffering, she found the Lord. And so let us remain faithful in whatever afflictions we may undergo, particularly for our faith in Christ. This is what St. Paul is uh, praising the Thessalonians for, the perseverance in faith in Christ in spite of their afflictions. And if this is how we live as a parish community, everybody will be talking about you, all right? They'll all be talking about the love and joy of the parish of St. Anthony and how its members are imitators of the Lord.